0: yo hey everyone it's adrienne here this week's episode is our best of careers so i think for many people right now they are rethinking their work life situation they might be working from home they might even be considering making a career change so i hope that this episode will be insightful and inspiring enjoy That literally flipped like a switch
1: on, on my 30th birthday. I was like, oh, you can't tell me off now. Mm-hmm. And when some, you know, when someone like kind of slaps your wrist and like tells you off, like I get it quite a lot on Twitter, like you shouldn't say that. And like on something really petty. And I'll be like, no, I can say that. I'm like <laughs> I'm 30. Excuse me. I'm 30. And actually, I think ageism is quite rife, especially if you're a woman. Mm. Um, that's what I think. When, when I was in my 20s doing some really cool stuff, actually, like when I look back, I don't know if you have this when at the time you're beating yourself up and you're like, oh, I'm nothing, I'm crap, I'm rubbish. Looking back, I'm like, oh, well done you, actually. You were 23 and you did that talk in front of those people. Like, you were scared. And, at, and actually, I think the ageism went both ways. Like, I felt I had imposter syndrome because I was young. And I also felt like people were like, ah, she's, she's only young.
0: Yeah, I think it's, in, personally, I, it's a kind of, I guess, like a pet hate of mine. It really frustrates me. And I think because, you know, everyone grows up at a different rate, everyone's experiences, I think, do shape them and their age doesn't matter so I think I often see now you know people who are younger who might have so much more insight and so much more like on one specific topic but people who are older or in a maybe more senior position don't really value or respect or want to hear it and I'm like you are fools like you need to listen to this person I don't care if they're 17 I don't care if they're 25 they know what they're talking about this is their thing do you know what I mean and it's really interesting that I'm like how I never want to become that person like personally when I'm 45, 55, 65 I want to listen to my son and be like okay tell me you know best because it's you know it's so true and I think
1: we are one of the generation where we saw it at play. We saw all these generations colliding in the workplace. So you would have like your baby boomer boss or Gen X maybe. And then you'd have you, the young millennial. And then the Gen Z hadn't come in yet, but you would see like, The butting of the heads of like, well, I know more about the internet, and they're like, yeah, well, I know more about business, and it's like, yeah, but let's work together. But there would still be this hierarchy of I'm your boss, and then you'd have this. I would have this anyway because I was a social media editor at Condé Nast, and I would be like, right, here's my strategy, and I would be. I was quite young; I was like twenty five, and they they would have to take me seriously but also I didn't know really about the bigger picture stuff. And then someone would come in and they would go, well, my seven-year-old um, is on Snapchat and he said we should do it like this. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, we've got a seven-year-old giving advice. We've got like, the older boss giving advice. Like, it, we, We've
0: all got stuff to say, but who do we listen to? <laughs> yeah, and I think listening is the key, right? As you said, it's about collaboration and not kind of saying... I've seen people, literally, there was a woman, I think she was like late 20s she was talking about you know this specific brand and marketing and kind of you know the the gen Z and like the purchase power and the sustainability and like the social media and like all of this stuff she was literally it's preaching the gospel and I saw people literally rolling their eyes because they were like they felt like oh that's not that stuff that like Facebook Snapchat-y kind of crap isn't for our business but then I'm like the whole world is there yes the and attention- now, they're, now they've woken up to it well I mean this wasn't that long ago wow I know I was shook I was and like, it's like no one's above all that stuff like that. that's how businesses are run Thank you. I was like, dude, at your own peril, you know, because your business, that that generation, I mean, this is a whole tangent, but those are the people, the next generation with purchase power. So if you think they're not for you, then yeah, look out. Okay, back on track. But anyone (laughs) listening to this, who's not running a a business, but someone who maybe they're, um, you know, listening and they're not familiar with your book or they're not familiar with the multi-hyphen method or the slashy thing. Can you tell us about how you, came up with that concept i guess and who you wrote that wonderful book for
1: thank you now i'm really really pleased with the success of the book because i genuinely wrote it i thought for quite a niche audience i was like Do you know what it's fine like even if 20 people buy this and we all become friends i've got something out of it and i believe they have but um i think what happened is a uh, maybe it just was like a bit of a gap in the market of actually most people are multi-hyphenates and it's not that niche at all it's quite mainstream um, so yeah I well what happens with me is I go on the search for something like I'll type something into iTunes or type something into Amazon and if it's not there I'm like shall I just make it then it's because I wanted to read a book on being a multi-hyphenate um, a lot of my favourite businesswomen, like Leandra Medin um, I mean people like Nora Ephron um, for example and just like cool people like adam k who like you know is a musician and a writer and used to be a doctor and does all these other things and just all my favorite people were doing the the hyphen thing and i was like where's the book there isn't one so um yeah it's a celebration of people who just don't want to do the the typical nine to five but also beyond that it's not even rebelling and being a freelancer it's like rebelling and being like i want to do five different things with my life And it's not about being a jack of all trades. It's not about multitasking and like being a hundred tabs open on your computer and being totally overwhelmed spinning plates. It's not that. It's like, how do we strategically and happily pick a few things in our life and do them all? Hmm.
0: And I think it's possible. It's certainly possible. And as you said, lots of people are doing that, maybe consciously or unconsciously, but that jack of all trade thing, I think is such a negative connotation that people, yeah, I think back in the day, it had to be like, find your niche, become the best at that, become an expert in that. Just go hard on this one thing because then everyone will look to you as that person. But yeah, in my experience too, being multifaceted has been beneficial to me and the people who, as you said, I respect, admire, look up to, they're all multifaceted and it's like, I guess I find it really exciting and just inspiring to think that you can have phases or chapters in your Tasty. life, and your career, and it's not like, this is now it, forever. Yes. Yes, we all change. I love the idea of, in a few years' time, maybe being on a
1: podcast and being known for something totally different. Like, it really excites me. But I also thought, yes, this is like a lifestyle book that you can have on your bookshelf and feel like, inspired by, but it's also kind of culturally relevant, I think, with the statistics in it, because... Even if you are listening now and you're like, actually, I do want to do one thing forever, that's totally fine. But I also wanted to, you know, bring about the fact that that's rare now as well. You know, the job for life has gone a bit and I didn't make that rule and in some ways I'm sad that that's the case in some ways maybe I did want to just work at a magazine forever and get paid like well but that's not an option there are Mm. magazines are not the way they were in the 90s but um, so yeah it's like a reaction to the world and how it's changing but it's also like a lifestyle choice
0: yeah and the world is changing obviously really quickly innovation tech social media all these things impact the way we work and the way we live so what advice would you give to anyone who is starting their career journey now you know going into 2020 it's so you know everything is so different now yeah what golden nugget of advice would you have for them Wow it's a really honestly it's a really hard question you might feel the same because I'm
1: 10 years into this and the things that I did 10 years ago would be the most rubbish advice now imagine if I was like right start a blog spot a wordpress blog and write on it like it's just so the times have moved on and do you know what I actually think if I was starting now I'd be really overwhelmed but I also would just make sure I was staying in my lane and being like right what do you want because if you have an objective and you really stick to that you can make it happen and I think people get really caught up in followers I think people get really caught up in like the vanity how do I look how do people think I'm doing I don't think those two match up I mean I don't have many followers on Instagram for example compared to my peers Mm. honestly I'm really lagging behind but I'm making really good money I feel really fulfilled I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just, I I really would say to someone, please don't spend all your time on something that actually won't benefit the business or benefit your happiness.
0: Yeah, that's very good advice, I think, for sure. Because as you said, the numbers thing and the vanity metric of how many people have viewed this, how many people have validated this, how many people have liked it or downloaded it or whatever, is not, it doesn't quantify the quality of your work. Yeah, and also you you can have a really good... Um, you know, you can
1: run something really cool, like a really great project or, for example, if you're doing in real life events or you were uh, wanting to write a book or you wanted to build some sort of online community, you you don't need thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Like, you just need like a couple hundred at first and really, really give what you can to that community and really offer something. I mean, I interviewed this amazing woman called Liz Ward on my podcast recently, and she she has about 200 followers on Instagram. Every single one of those 200 are like paying clients. And I just found it so inspiring because she, I mean, she has a great life. Um, She doesn't necessarily need like that big, like, I've got a million
0: followers yeah exactly that is really cool and also the people who sometimes do have you know half a million followers or whatever might not necessarily be able to yeah sell 200 tickets so it's very interesting it yeah. is. it's an interesting time yeah it is and so i guess on the other side of that so often i hear people talking about the start of the career journey you know advice for getting started and getting started i think is just the question that i get the most you know people have got ideas they've got inspiration but they don't know where to start and then a few months ago i was speaking at an event with red red magazine it was red smart women Women and the room I'd say was filled with women maybe between the ages of 30 to 45 50 even and they were you know kind of the questions and the conversation was more about the fact that maybe they've already had a career maybe they've you know changed careers whatever but they a lot of them said they felt like with this whole digital and social and that they felt really kind of left out or like they didn't really know how to get into that or did they need that and so yeah do you have any advice for maybe anyone listening who's in that end of the spectrum, maybe they're not at the start of their journey per se, but they might feel, yeah, a bit a bit lost. Yeah, I do think there's like a real obsession for like the the young freelancer
1: thing. I mean, maybe I, I, even now I'm 30. I mean, I feel like a little bit kind of not really in that, that young, young, young demographic anymore. Um, I think there's loads of books coming. I've seen on the bookseller that there's been some books sold recently. Um, it, one is called... Oh my God, I don't know what it's called, but it's it's about um, like how to really nail things like post 40 and actually how that's your best time for your career. And it's like things just only get better. I mean, for me, I just dig out interviews on the internet all the time. Like I'm obsessed with like digging out old YouTube interviews with people of all ages and just really kind of selecting and taking bits out of things that suit you. I just... Sometimes I think you just have to kind of go searching for like-minded people. But I, the thing is, I wouldn't know where to go because I'm not at that age myself.
0: But I don't know. I think it's hard. you think you will find, right? There's a lot, as you said, everything out there now. I think podcasts for me is how I find those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, and this is going to be controversial, but... (laughs)
1: When I get people emailing me being like, Hi Emma, what like what microphones do you use for your podcast? Or um I was just wondering like what size um picture should my blog have for this page? And um just wondering X, Y, and Z and I'm a bit like, Have you Googled it first? Because that's what I did. And and I'm not saying like I'm this perfect example of like hard work like that's i I know for for a fact that my like success is not just hard work of course it's not but i do know that i really went in search of the answers and i just feel like there there is so much online there's like skillshare there's youtube there's all these tutorials there's millions of podcasts and i'm like whenever people also say to me you know how do i get a mentor i am sort of like you know that there's a million mentors on the internet and that you could try and, and just squeeze what you can out of the people who are giving this information for free. It's also really competitive now in the podcast space as you probably know where so many people are doing business podcasts and I feel like everyone's getting so practical with their advice because they're wanting to be the one that gets downloaded and like people are sharing all their secrets on podcasts now I was listening to how I built this the guy Raz one the other day yep. and this guy like, I can't, I can't remember what one it was but it was like detailed accounts of the finances and how he got started <laughs> Wow! like he was literally like saying everyone website he ever went on to get started and all the people that helped him and all the like email addresses i was like wow we like imagine if i had this five years ago we're
0: in such an amazing space now yeah yeah i agree you can find that stuff and people are very like you said honest and granular and yeah i mean even in in a day imagine you sat for 24 hours and you just you know took all that information in and then actioned it and did outreach Yeah, yeah i think that's really powerful it's like just kind of yeah spend the time do the work do the work but then also
1: i I almost feel like I don't know where that attitude comes from because it comes from quite deep within when I'm like I, I, I always help I want to help I, I was definitely that person that sent out emails to strangers and I was so happy when they replied like I want to help but I also just feel like the the this demographic um, of people that are like reaching out so hard for advice I feel like they've been failed somewhere along the line of they don't have the confidence and that I feel like we almost need to start at the root of the problem which is Why don't people feel like they they can do it? Because if all the information's there and we all have a Wi Fi connection and we all have ideas, because I know you believe that anyone can do anything really if they put their mind to it, but it's kind of, it's even become controversial to say that now because I know we don't live in a meritocracy, the world is really unfair. Mm. Um, some people might not ever get what they want in life but I do feel like somewhere along the way we weren't taught like that confidence.
0: Yeah oh my gosh okay there's so many things I'm thinking right now as you're speaking because yeah there's definitely and this might be quite controversial too I hear what you're saying about you know meritocracy and the world is not fair and it's not as easy as saying like if you want it and you work hard you can achieve anything although i do yeah definitely believe that to an extent of course there are social economic factors there are you know personality factors so many things that kind of just life events you know circumstance things happen to us for us with us but i feel like what you're describing then again about you know people maybe don't have the confidence that's one aspect perhaps that they don't feel confident to trust themselves to go i'm gonna choose this microphone i'm going to choose this website i get that but i also think if i'm really honest People don't want to do the work, Emma. They don't like. People will say to me like, "Oh, you're so lucky that you get to do this and this and this and this. How did you get that? Or how did you meet that person? Or how did you start this podcast?" Or how? And I will give them the honest truth. You know, as you said, I'm happy to help. I'll say I did this, then I did this, then I researched how many of this, then I made this PDF deck and put some data in it, then I reached out to 17 this, then I did. And when you tell them the reality mm. of the work, they go, "Oh." yeah well that's a lot can you just give me the email address of your producer so I can just message him I'm like sure but is that going to be right because you haven't done any work like figure it out yourself like and that doesn't I don't mean it sounds really harsh to be like roll up your sleeves you know put in the hours as you said earn your stripes like I believe if you do that that's why you build the confidence you did the work that gave you confidence and for me personally anything that I have achieved anything physical challenge you know academic anything I have given myself confidence through the proofing of doing the repetition Mm -hmm. and that's given me the confidence to go Adrian you've done this before you've done this work you can do this but without the work, I wouldn't have had the confidence either. I'd have gone, oh, my gosh, like, I can't do this. Like, I don't know what to do. It's like going into an exam that you've yes. never revised for. But I think this conversation is genuinely really helpful because I do
1: think we're living in a time where we, you know, if we were young now and we were watching X Factor and we were following people on Love Island and we were seeing people, you know, get a million followers in a year, I would look at that and think, wow, that's easy. Can I have an email address? So right. I think it's like I don't blame people for thinking it's easy. And I also don't blame people for being like, oh, I'll just take, take the shortcut on this if I can. But I feel like maybe there's a responsibility to show behind the scenes more. I mean, I was listening. Yeah. I was listening to someone else, uh, talk recently about how they started their podcast. And it was like the spreadsheets and the brands and the decks and the PDFs and the like cold emails. And I was like, when I think of a podcast, like, do you think of that? I mean, I know now that's the truth, but I don't think people at home necessarily would be like, oh, that's what it takes to start a podcast. Like, don't you just get a mic?
0: Yeah. Or do you plan before what you're going to say? Or do you write questions? Or do you research the guests? Or do you read their books? Exactly. I mean, again, I don't want it to come across like my delivery sometimes can be really harsh. And it's not because it's because I'm passionate. You know, I just want people to feel it. I want them to get it. I'm like, you can get it too. Like, you can do it. But I also want them to have the reality that I don't believe personally that anything worth having is going to be easy. Even if you do get that 1 million followers from being on a TV show, what about, what next? What do you do with it? Because there'll be 10 other people. So I don't know. I'm like, put in the work. Come on, boo.
1: Yeah, which is why I think I do find it hard when people are like, oh, how did you do X? And I'm like, let me literally spread out 10 years Yes. and like tell you, because it's like, it's I can literally tell you that every single year... I've been like, oh, I'm a little further towards the goal now. I can see it. I'm like, you just keep on going. Just keep on going. And every new year, I'm really, I love a new year. Mm-hmm. I'm like really reflective. Like I prefer it better than my birthday, better than Christmas. Like New Year's for me, I'm just like the fireworks and the new start. Like I am a bit weird like that. But every new year, I'm like, wow, see, another year down, another tiny step forward. And it's
0: like, it isn't overnight. <laughs> talking about like actionable things you can do you recently shared with us um, and the team about goal setting this really great goal setting exercise that you that you showed us and how to like create a roadmap for your own career whether that's I guess some people would call it you know like their 10-year plan five-year plan one-year plan so could you talk us through that process and could you give the listeners I guess the the points for them if they so they could get started on figuring out if they're currently on the right path
2: yeah, no, for sure. This is one of my favorite exercises that I talk through. So whenever I mentor someone, I've got a few little tools or little exercises in my toolkit because someone might not always know at the beginning of that relationship exactly what they want out of the relationship. So sometimes a mentee will come in and they just talk and they'll be very clear out what they want out of the relationship. But other times um, you might need to tease it out a little bit. So this is one of my favorite exercises. Um Essentially, kind of what you do is you say to the person, um, okay, I want you to roll the clock forward 10 years. It doesn't have to be 10 years, but it has to be far enough in the future that it can disconnect from where you are today. So five years isn't far enough. Say 10 years, and I want you to sketch out every possible version of what your future might look like in 10 years' time. Now, these things should be exciting. They should be aspirational. They should also be kind of vaguely realistic, But if any of these options don't get you excited when you're writing them and you can't envisage it and it doesn't kind of, yeah, get get that little butterflies in your stomach through visioning yourself in in that position, then you should work hard to make sure that outcome doesn't happen because you're not working towards where you want to be. Once you sketch those out, um, then you kind of write a list of all of the things that you would need, all of the skills, all the things you need to be able to do for every single one of those options um, to be able to achieve that and work in that role so if i give an example if i was doing this exercise i might go okay one version of my future is chief people officer at fit fit has grown to be yeah kind of multi-thousand people organization global we've got studios all over the world and i'm managing this kind of massive people operation in a really exciting company like fit another one might be that i'm running my charity full-time another Future might be that I founded my own company. Another one might be that I'm, I'm a writer. I I've, I've do books. I go and advise people on how to build great cultures and things like that. Now, if I was writing my list, if I just picked a couple of those, I might go, okay, so at Fit, what would I need to do managing this kind of big people operation? Okay, I need to be great at leadership. I need to be great at communication. I need to be able to attach outcomes to business strategy. So I need to understand business strategy. I need to know operational HR. I need to be able to connect people to the company's vision and mission. The list might look like Fifth House Founding Company is okay. I'd need to also be good at vision and mission. I need to understand how to raise money. I need to understand how to put business plan together. I'd also need to be good at kind of leadership and communication and, and everything like that. So once you've got this list for those options, what you do is you take out a pen, different colour, for the best, and you kind of circle all the things that were common across the different lists. um Then what you do is you roll the clock back and go, Okay, so five years in five years time to achieve each one of those outcomes. Where would I need to be and what would I need to be doing? So, again, you write a list for each one of those examples. And again, you get your different color pen out and you circle the things that are common and you roll the clock back to three years and you do the same exercise again. Now, you look at your list and you look at all the things you've got in common and you'll see that surprisingly, although those different outcomes are very divergent, they might be completely different directions The skills and things you need to do, there's more in common than than not. And you can very quickly from that put together a really crystallized development plan of things I'm going to work on in the next year that won't discount any of those options, but actually take me towards every single one of those options. So it's a real tangible way of not only getting excited about the different versions your future could take, but also giving you something really tangible that you can work on to work towards each one of those futures.
0: Yeah I think that's absolutely brilliant and whilst you're talking through I'm like I need to do that I'm like oh yeah five years I need to be able to do this three years maybe this and I think for a lot of people listening it's just really useful to have those kind of frameworks because often people say like you know find your why figure out your purpose and just do what makes you happy and it's like that isn't always great advice because people are like well where do I start or I don't really know maybe what my purpose is I think it's easy with people who've got one clear vision but as you said then you could have four or five or six and actually you don't have to decide now this is the one thing and it's the only path because I think that's kind of overwhelming as well so yeah I think it's a brilliant exercise and I need to do it I'm gonna do it this week yeah so I hope that you can um listeners I hope that you'll also yeah grab a pen and paper and start working on that list
2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: I have this conversation actually quite often with people who say to me, oh, Adrienne, you know, you do this and you do that. And they're like, oh, how could I, you know, for example, start a podcast or, you know, work with brands or, and, you know, I'll say to them, oh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And often the barrier that comes up most that I hear from people is around Money and time. So Mm -hmm. they'll say to me, Well, I work this job, I'm working, I have to be, you know, there for half past eight. By the time I get home, it's maybe seven. So they're like, you know, what about they're like, you know, what about money? Like I can't just leave my job and, Mm -hmm. you know, try and figure out what I'm gonna do and what makes me happy. They're like, you know, what about money? I've got bills to pay. And then on the other side of that, they're like, once I've finished working, I then come home, I've used all my creative energy, I've used all of my, you know, ideas and my I just don't want to do it in the evening. You know, if I Mm -hmm. set them kind of like, maybe try this (laughs) or that, and then after four weeks they go, oh, i haven't a time, you know. So mm-hmm. do you hear that from people as well? I hear that a lot. Those are the core obstacles. It's
3: that or I can't leave the training that I've just done behind to go into a new sector. And I, I say to them two things. One you know we live in an expensive city we're in london it is what it is and so we have to really think about a strategy outside of that is there any way that you could start to renegotiate the hours of your job thinking about going down from a friday condensing your hours having those conversations with your manager and it's also about being really practical i think Unfortunately, we're in a bit of a popcorn culture where we think we can get things immediately. It might be that actually you have to carve out and say to yourself, Friday morning, I'm going to give myself an hour. So if I know I'm productive, get up an hour earlier Mm -hmm. and do what's necessary. Or it's a case of actually my Saturday mornings are going to be dedicated to this. And you educate others around you around how you're going to protect that space. And set yourself a goal. Three months, a month, I need to have achieved X or this experiment needs to pan out and give me these results before I move on to the next thing. And the same with money. Um, I always talk about creating your financial runway. I never advise people to quit because I think that's the worst when you start concentrating on how do I pay the bills. You end up making very narrow choices. And it's starting to save. If I want to leave my job in six months, nine months, 12 months, what's the runway that I'll need? Um, And what will I start to do, even if it is creating a side hustle on the side? um, You know, how will I start to make this money and get really practical and sit down and do it? But we can be uh, like deer in headlights sometimes and think, "Oh, actually, money, no time. We've all got the same amount of hours in the day. It's how we choose to use them and be productive in that time as well.
0: Samantha, you are speaking my language. Guys, I didn't even pay her to say that. you get up an hour earlier. I love it. Um, But for, I guess, for anyone listening as well, you know, it'd be great. You know, even just the word happiness, I love it. I smile Mm. when I say it. You know, it'd be great for us all to have more happiness in our lives. So is there something, where do we even start? Is there something that we could do today or this week, like an exercise or a framework, something we could try to figure out, Okay, what actually makes me happy and what Mm. can I do to get more of it?
3: Mm. So I like uh, one of the core exercises in my book is around the sweet spot. And I think because happiness feels really amorphous, it can be, um, for some people, it can be just a bit all-encompassing. And for others, it's like, actually, I want to funnel it down into this area. And I think there are four quadrants in our lives that we need to pay attention to and think about which areas need a bit more uplifting and why. And so those four areas are thinking about yourself, uh, the relationship you have with other people, your work and your home and it's asking yourself with my clients i go through set questions and i get them to think about themselves okay so how are you showing up for yourself are you nurturing and feeding your body uh which um energies in your life are elevating or deflating you and going around each of the quadrants asking those particular questions with your relationships there are any relationships that you feel like you've neglected which ones do you want to tap in more where are you missing or what are you missing in your support circle Thinking about your home, is your home a place that's uh, giving you that peace of mind? So when you come home from work and you shut the door, you feel calm, you feel like you can be creative, you can curate, you can also be idle to let ideas flourish. And also thinking about your work, is it um, set up to help you become the person you want to become? What are the values and elements in your work that you like to tweak? What are the goals? And getting people to really analyse and think, okay, which areas in my life are slightly off? And which ones could do with um, a bit more of a push or which ones do I need to dedicate more focus and time on? And that will raise my levels. And it's almost like thinking about like a water bath. I think we're going to go through peaks and troughs. And I don't think happiness is like all glee all the time. Mm. There is going to be some down times. It's how we deal with that and develop the resilience to kind of... um, understand and appreciate why we might be going through a a bit of a a trough point and what we can do to come out of that and also that there might be some areas which have taken over our lives which have made us unhappy and how we can bring it back or um, you know check in and get other people to hold us accountable to certain things that we want to change and so going through if you sit down right now and think in these four areas of my life you know what's working what isn't what do I want to change who might I bring along to help me keep that momentum and um, what's the one thing that I could do to make myself feel better or to enhance a relationship or to change or tweak something at work or in my home space? Do I need to declutter? It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And then you you'd start from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Actually, there's two things I was nodding along and thinking. One was I love the idea of, you know, the four quadrants and actually committing and writing down. I'm big on writing things down mm-hmm. because I think once you do that, you're forcing, your, you know, you're giving attention to all of those areas. Mm-hmm. And as you said, I think often people just focus on maybe work or maybe maybe family, kids, but actually looking at you started with self. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really good to draw attention to that and then the second thing i liked that you said a couple of times was like okay who's in who's Which relationships or which work? Who could help me? Mm. And this the word "help." I think often is missing from a lot of people's Mm. narrative. They don't think they can ask for help. It has to all come from them. So it's like, okay, I'm going to write this list. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do it. Mm. I have to, you know, build this business, or I have to, I don't know, change my career, earn more money. It's all about I, I, I. And I think that puts so much pressure on people. They feel overwhelmed. Often they feel, you know, maybe just inadequate. I can't do it. I'm not. I don't have the skills. I don't have the confidence. When actually, as you said, help, you can ask people in your network or people that maybe reach out to someone online or course or anyone who could actually help you to get there. You don't have to do it on your own.
3: Yeah, I think it's a big thing because obviously, as society is evolving, we're no longer looking to certain institutions to kind of help us, and we feel like it's all got to come inwards. And actually, there's something really great about one, identifying the type of help you need. And two, figuring out how you'll articulate that need to somebody else. And uh, three, finding the right people. And I think we need to be better at one, um, being okay, asking for help, because it's not a weakness. It's actually quite empowering to say, you know, I know how to do X. I'm I'm worried with this. And I've identified that you're an expert or you could help me or actually um, you've asked if you can help. And actually, this is how I need help. And I think it empowers a lot of people who can be of assistance to know, actually, you need that from me and I can do that for you. And it feels good. And it's a reciprocal growth thing as well. But, I think we do stop we do stand in our own way sometimes when we don 't um reach out and think we can find everything and there 's only so much we can find online until actually a conversation with somebody will help you go from here to there. Or just to open up your mindset around it as well.
0: Mm, absolutely, and also as you said, then it helps out both people. Mm. So actually, as well, thinking about who you can help. So, mm. like in service of others, saying, okay, what skills do you have? What what person do you know in your network that you could introduce? And saying, okay, I could help this person out. Because mm. as you said, you're always gonna it's always gonna be a two way street. You're always gonna gain as much value as you give
3: yeah totally and i think there's a great book by um michael Benge steiner and he says there are three different types of people we should have in our network or look out for in terms of support and he says that there's people who love you so getting the kind of nurturing if you're realizing that the self area or the relationship areas you do want some more people who will give you that confidence boost or help you with the motivation there's also the people um With influence, maybe you're starting something and you could do with someone who is connected or is a connector to help widen your network. And um, uh, the people with skills. So if there's a skill that you're lacking, who could do skill swaps with or find somebody? And I think every time, keep asking, what can I do to help you too? And it will just grow from there.
0: Mm, I can attest to that. I feel like I'll often, I think because I love people so much and I love to talk. So I talk to everyone in the room. And I think honestly, looking back when people ask me about my career journey, I know it's because of the people in my network. Mm. It's the people. It's not me, you know, doing everything on my own. It's actually not being afraid to... Yeah, I guess be in the room, have that conversation, follow up. Mm. I am. The, I love. You know, people hate networking in the UK. It's like, oh, the word networking. It's mm. like gross. But I just think every interaction, every conversation, is kind of networking. You mm. know, and it's a chance to build
3: relationships. It's not networking just in I need, therefore I take. It's a case of actually, let's just go on a journey together and mm. and explore.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something that I really like about your work and what I've read with the book is that you help individuals, but also businesses and their employees. So, because, you know, not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur or to or would thrive in the self-employed life and I think that actually it's been put on a pedestal now and kind of idolized as this the best dream thing you can do is yeah quit your job follow your passion this is the true way to be happy is to actually you know travel and work remotely with your laptop Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of this sold idea that if you're not doing that then you're working for some corporate you know I don't know giant and you're never going to be happy Mm -hmm. but actually I think it's great that you've you know highlighted the fact that employees have a res- employers have a responsibility to help as well so yeah what do you think about the whole you know you quit the quit your job hit the road or actually there's a lot to gain from being part of a team and maybe leading others as well
3: yeah i find it um fascinating i lead a workshop at the guardian called love it or leave it would you believe it hmm. um and there's so many people who come and like oh my god i can't stand my job i want to leave i'm ready to quit and i say to do what and they say, oh, I might start working for myself or I might find another job. I, d- I don't know, but I just need to leave. And I think I want people to just be a bit calmer and just to get still and think, okay, where is the pain? That's a core area that I get people to think about is where is the pain? And is it in the relationships? Is it in the actual job roles and responsibility and the tasks? Or is it actually you're fed up with the industry that you're in? And then you can start to navigate and think what changes are actually right for me? Because I think there's so much beauty in, um, you know, seeing the diamond in the rough that is your job. And some people after the end of my, my workshop are like, God, actually, my job's pretty awesome, but I could do with having a better conversation with my manager or managing up. Or actually, yes, I've come to the end of the road in um, food and I'm really interested in moving into advertising, maybe taking some of my food skills and becoming a client in client services over there. And I think we need to, Um, be really open to the fact that it's not just quit and find your passion or follow your passion which is a load of BS as well it's uh, can I take the time and think realistically how can I fall in love with this how can I think about my own way in which I show up at relationships at work how can I also help change the culture from within if I feel like there's an issue there or actually could I hack my job in some ways and then if actually if you've exhausted all of that and it's really like you know, I'm ready to leave or actually I've been working on an opportunity in my early hours of the morning and it's ready to fly and therefore I must leave. Great, but have a plan. Um, I'm very methodical in my methods and I think that you've got to have a very actionable way of moving forwards. Otherwise, just quitting, it's not for everybody. That comes with its own issues around mental health, money, thinking about your support system. It's a whole different um, level of, of accountability you need and also what is the vision and where are you going in that direction as well because it it can be a winding road that if you haven't got the tolerance for straight away it's difficult
0: Mm, well honestly i feel like i see it a lot right now actually online i don't know if it's like a cultural shift but i'm just seeing this message which i think is really irresponsible which is telling people particularly young people if your job does not make you happy quit Mm. and you know what chase your dream follow your passion and start your own business and like i think as i said not everybody's cut out for that so do you think there's any kind of I guess like personality tell traits or things that you could go okay these things make you I guess more or less suited to yeah being self employed starting your own business versus working in a team or with somebody else
3: I think a core thing to identify with is values and how far do you value security do you value working um, with a team being immersed in an environment where there are other people that you can bounce ideas off, thinking about whether or not um, you want to start a lifestyle business or actually build a business because that's very different as well. Uh, Do you need funding or do you want to be this kind of big entity or are you kind of happy actually channeling your work? And I think there is also a happy medium where we still could be part-time employed and doing shorter condensed hours and doing something else on the side. And I find it it is really irresponsible to say, yes, quit your job. And I think there's a lot of, I guess, from a millennial perspective and the Gen Z, it's like, oh, they're so uh, quick to say when they're not happy at work. But I think companies would do well to service and figure out why that anguish, what makes them feel unhappy in the first place? And what can we do to ease that tension, to create better environments, to listen, to co-create and offer better happiness initiatives or well-being initiatives so that they'll end up staying?
4: My advice to young people going to, it would be always try and get to a startup experience as, as soon as possible, because when I look at, for, even from our last business, some of the people that excelled and went on to have incredible careers all started as interns um, and went on to do incredible things because they got given so much responsibility and you won't have a choice. Yeah, that's We've what already, We had an intern, that one of the first employees that started with us, and he's just graduated,
5: going to be joining Sammy's team shortly, so... I just, think just on Ben actually this is the guy that Dan's talking about I think he's an amazing example of, of kind of a young person coming into a team he um, the first week we were like this guy's not going to make it it was like a rabbit in the headlights he just, I remember uh, we started at the same time he was just like o- overwhelmed and sorry Ben if you're listening but um, he was completely over- overwhelmed and we're like this this, this guy's in trouble and then, rabbit in the headlights but, yeah but, but honestly like within six he was here for six months I've never seen someone grow and develop more in in, in the space of six months and that's because it was at a start and he just you know he threw himself into it and we gave him loads of responsibility and he just he just was like a fire hose he just kept yeah. taking it and I think that's one of the great things and we, we have an amazing intern pro, an internship program now we take we've got three three in the team in the team at the moment and they're all amazing, and we've you know we've we really really back that uh, mm. as a as a great way to get young talented people in that we can then eventually hire uh, when they're graduated.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And I remember because I started at the same time as Ben, both of us. Yeah, the same week. Um, I it was remember a that. Week. Yeah, it was it a was good a really week. week. Good a week for week. fit. Um, and also, I think uh, what was I going to say on that note about that when you said about young people coming in? Oh yeah. And also, I think, I don't know, maybe people think there's a risk involved. You know what I mean? Like, if you're leaving university and you're going to a startup, it's like, oh, that's risky because, you know, what is it, like 98% of startups fail in the first two years? It's quite Mm -hmm. a shocking stat. So then people might think, oh, it's better to go somewhere safe, like, I don't know, within tech like Google or Facebook Mm -hmm. or whatever, but they might not get those opportunities there.
4: I I think if you do your research well, I don't... You're right, there are a lot of startups that fail, but do your research well. Um, Some good indicators to look for is... Who are their backers you know have they got good investors? how much money have they raised what stage are they at are they at have they one year in or you know have they raised you know ten twenty million a lot of those those questions will give you a steal on whether this thing is real or not um and then you know, my advice would be is to said, just throw yourself in at the deep end because if you want a quick uh, career trajectory um you know, Ian and I joined Google at the right time and it's still relatively small so we had a little bit of that trajectory but no, you're not going to get into senior management level for seven, eight, nine, ten years. At, at Fit, you could be there within two years, mm. two, three years, mm. um, because you'll, if you can prove yourself and you can handle the responsibility, you'll, you'll succeed. Well, the thing it also opens up your
6: eyes to a completely different way of working. You know, I, I am um, had some sort of, you know, traditional jobs when I first came out of university, and then decided to mix it up after that. But you get exposed to so many different things. You. You know, Hopefully we're a really forward-thinking business in how we operate in terms of holiday and exposure and responsibilities, but it's very, very different than going into a traditional job. And Even if you do it for a short space of time and you want to start your own company later on, hopefully you'll learn a lot of things at a startup um, that you could take into your own career.
0: Yeah. And as you said, there's a lot to do. So it's like 100 miles an hour. I feel like there's so many things happening all the time. And as I mentioned at the start, all three of you, you know, I've worked with you for the last 18 months, and I've witnessed myself your work ethic. And it is incredible it's a it's amazing and you eat sleep and breathe your work it's quite clear that your business is mission-led as you mentioned and that you're all just incredibly passionate about making a success but we often hear that success comes at a cost you know this kind of like work 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 grind 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 so what are your values i guess when it comes to work ethic sammy
6: so i would say um i mean the principle that basically work ethic if you look at the as a definition, is that the is the principle that hard work is intrinsically virtuous or worthy of reward? In that, by working hard at something that you enjoy, you you get the benefit from it, or sort of you know automatically. It's not just like oh, I, I have to do this because it's a particular end goal. You enjoy doing that yourself. I think if you enjoy what you're doing, working extremely hard is is a pleasure. I think some of the key things that I have always sort of applied in my life is to be punctual to be on time um, to be dependable I think um, the, the young people working in our business the ones that have excelled they have taken on lots of responsibility from from the start and we we rely on them and I think it's important that they that you try and become a dependable part of that team and often that is being on time working hard delivering good results and there's one thing that we have within the business which is having a a five-star mentality. Now, we rate things within, you know, our our users rate things out of five and we sort of bring that into our our own business and say, is it the best we could do? Can we do any better in this particular piece of work? Would you rate it five out of five? And you guys,
0: I guess, all lead by example, I think. So yeah, Dan, what about you? Have you always found it? Have you always worked this way?
4: No, actually. I think um, I, I have a little bit of a problem with the way... People talk about if you're going to be successful, Simon, you have to work every single hour of the day and you need to get up and you need to, first thing you need to do is, is attack the day. And I think that's actually a really bad way of thinking, of course you need to work hard. Um, but I think it does need to come with a lot of balance. And we spoke about it a bit already, but yeah. if you do not take any time to switch off when you get home, to spend time with your partner, whatever it might be to to do Marathon and Sable then you will not be a success and i I strongly believe that I've, I've experienced it myself where at one point in my career I was literally working every single hour I could um and then I I made sure I took time out to you know run and keep fit and I think it makes a, a huge huge difference and I think there is a little bit of a undercurrent in the startup world where people think you have to work crazy 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 hours and it's of course working hard is important but i think making sure you take time for yourself will ultimately mean that you're successful because there's a lot of diminishing returns when it comes to work mm. the long the more you work doesn't necessarily mean the better you're going to be mm. it means that you're going to get tired you're going to make the wrong decisions you're going to send the wrong emails and so if you do not take time out whether that is family working out whatever it might be you will find it a lot harder to be successful
0: yeah and on that topic of success i guess you know i don't believe that there's just one you know magic formula for success i think you know i I know people try to whistle it down into one and sell it as a book but yeah i think when it comes to success it's different for everyone and you have to define what that is so ian i'd love to know do you think that there's been one characteristic or skill or quality that has been the key to your success so far
5: so in terms of sort of a key to um, my success, I mean, I, I, I first of caveat I would say saying that it's still massively a work in progress. Like you know, we're we're um, you know, we've had, an, I think we've all had really great, exciting careers, um, but but we're still very much you know where where we want to be in uh, in terms of you know what we want to achieve. I think we're still very much a work in progress. Um, for me, I think you know the guys have spoken about. Uh, a couple of them that I, I, I hold really dear to, to, to my, you know, the way I like to work and how I judge success. But I think having fun is is the most important thing because I think, um, you know, we spend a lot of time working um, and we we, we 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 need to make sure that we're having having fun. And I, it really makes me sad when I'm chatting to friends. Um, and they 're in a job that they maybe don 't like um, they don 't find fulfilling um, and I, I think it 's just life 's too short you know we, we, ha- we 've got one you know, we've got one shot on this planet, and I think we need to make sure that that we are doing things that we really love and then secondly, making sure that we 're surrounding ourselves with with amazing people that push us that inspire us um because we're spending so much time time together um and i think so for me those two things having fun and surrounding yourself with amazing people if you do that then you are successful and i think the other things will come you know whether it's the fame and fortune whatever whatever you think is important but um yeah that that, that's really how i view it
0: couldn't have said it better myself i love that I heard you say in an interview, when you started your internship at BBC, that you mentioned that you did all the jobs that you were asked to do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obviously, you just described as well since then, you know, that continuation of hard work and graft to kind of, you know, craftsmanship, essentially. So where do you think that that work ethic that you have has come from?
7: I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think I've always worked, like, even before, like, I've always had a job, mm. like, I always wanted to make money. <laughs> and not that money is not my driving force, but the independence of money is what, what that can give me. Mm. You know, not necessarily the, the value of money, having money to go shopping, but to be like, I can do this and I can do that, and that's what I want to do with it. Um, so, like, I did a paper round at fir- 13, you know, like the day the new shopper. Mm-hmm. Um, you could get the new shopper you could get them to deliver it to your house you pull the supplements in you do that I Me and my brother was going to split it we didn't we just dumped them behind the train station <laughs> but I did do the I, I was the paper girl you know then I worked in a theatre at 15 mm-hmm. um, I, taught, I, I worked 7 days a week from, from 17 I always had worked 7 days a week we worked in an off school club so I definitely think that work effort came from, from there um, and then in terms of I guess applying that when I got to the BBC I think it was just kind of I read so much online about like how to how to <laughs> how to make yourself invaluable. Like I'd, I'd been to so many seminars and so many you know workshops and things like that that I just was like you know it's it's a game, not a game, but it is. I guess mm-hmm. it is a game. And I remember Angelica Bell actually. I went to one conference um, that she was doing, and she was like she said she said something that I was I found really important. She was like, um, if you're the intern and you've been asked to make tea make the tea before we start. Don't, 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 don't do everything but the job that's being asked of you, like trying to talk to me and trying to give me, get me to watch your show reel da, 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 da. Because people remember you. If you can do the jobs that you've been given at task. people will give you the time to then, you know, mm. talk to you about you. And I definitely, that definitely stuck with me. So I would never like in the studio, oh, I've been doing this or um, what do you think about that? You know, it was all about giving to the presenter your, your full time. And then if you said, oh, can we have a coffee afterwards? They'd be more than happy to because they can see that you're kind of working for them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, a, a, you know, everyone's got to give to receive, you know. And I think that, that definitely, I think, did me well because it, it, it gave me a lot of, a lot of good friends and, and, and people that I admire that were willing to, to vouch for me when the time came.
0: Amazing. I really hope that so many, I'm, I just hope so many people hear this, you know, the whole, everything you're saying yeah. then about how many different jobs, you know, work, work, work. It's work. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. It's hard work. And I think often now I see a lot of stuff about, you know, shortcut this and cut corners that mm. fast track, how can you, you know, hacks, tips. And it's like people want to avoid the hard work, the hard
7: work. Yeah, but can, nothing can replace it. And I, people always say when you say to someone, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I tell you what sounds like a lot of work. Is I was watching Top Boy. That looks like a lot of work for not a lot of but mm-hmm. so That to me feels like a lot of work. But actual, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else I'll be doing. I'm this, I've got that kind of mind frame that if I'm not busy, or I'm not doing stuff, then, then my brain starts thinking. And then, I can, and then I think I can easily get depressed or get caught up on, on things that wouldn't normally, I, I would get upset, upset by. Mm. Um, but even my boyfriend, he went away for like about a month uh, to do some music. And there was no one to tell me to go to bed. So I'd just be like 1 am, 2 am, working. working, <laughs> <Yeah>. working. <laughs> I've had an idea. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I, I definitely kind of now need a balance.
0: Okay, okay. But, you know, even sitting here and listening to you speak, you know, you've got yeah. that energy. And yeah. I feel that too. Like, yeah. I'm an energetic person, yeah. so I can relate. Um, and yeah, it is. You do have to find the balance. But also, I think if it's good and it feels good Mm. and you're in something, then yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, like I said, you've got that energy. Um, And you mentioned about going to some seminars and courses. And I I know that you've talked before about being about still learning. And you said in a Refinery29 interview, you're like, I'm still learning. And that is uh, essential for longevity in the industry. I personally am obsessed with the idea of lifelong learning and skill acquisition. Trust me, I'm always, you know, like similar looking at, you know, talks and workshops and down unloadable things and you know i always kind of think essentially every person who i look up to or inspires me or who's high performing or leading in their field is still learning yeah. and is still talking about the importance of learning so can you give the listeners can you give us some advice about when it comes to learning what are some things that people could do and how do you stay well two things motivated and disciplined because yeah. i think initially it's like oh i'm gonna do this but then like you said once you realize how much work it is yeah how do you stay disciplined to keep learning
7: I guess I guess the first thing would be to break it down into to tiny to tiny chunks. And I think even when it comes to I guess like learning and learning your craft, I think it's accepting that it's not going to be overnight. This is something that's going to be, you know, long-winded and it's going to carry on, but if you kind of break it down into chunks, I think that makes it a lot easier. Um and I really think it's important to learn from others. I think there's no there's no harm in 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 watching your favorite person, you know, the people that I I I I i think that are great at learning they're watching other people so where you know for me it's being in the dj booth when someone that i admire is playing actually anyone in the dj booth it doesn't matter. don't have to be someone that i admire i love watching other people dj i'm like oh they did that okay i'm gonna try that when i go home yeah. you know um listening to other people on the radio you know a lot of people are like oh, i want to i want to i want to be on radio okay what do you listen to i don't i don't listen to radio <laughs> so <but> people do <laughs> you'd be surprised um and how can you, you know, learn if you don't if you don't even listen, or you're not even trying to engage with the task that you want to be? You want to be a presenter, then watch other watch other presenters. You want to make your own podcast, listen listen to other podcasts. Um, so def- I think that's definitely a tip. I trying to think what else. I mean, the internet is there because I I think I'm more of a, I guess I I learn from doing a lot of it. So I want you to teach me the beginning bits, and now let me go on my own. And I'm a solitary learner. I learn okay. best on my own. So for me learning is being five hours in a dj room on my own with no phone
2: mm, and focused.
7: i can i can do that a lot and even when i first started learning how to dj i had the decks at home and i every night i came home i just put deck put this put them on and just go for hours and hours and hours and I was only mixing the same two songs. <laughs> you know, repetition. I was like, I really need to move move on. Like <laughs> Got this one. Got this one, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I can I can do a set now. <laughs> oh oh now, damn damn, I've got to mix other genres. You know, that was a whole other um, learning curve. So yeah, I say I say break it down into small chunks. I would say watch and learn from others. Um, and then I guess in terms of the, the discipline
0: do you think because, you know, you wanted to do that, mm-hmm. so obviously you had like you had the desire and the will, there was no one saying to you, you know what, you need to do four hours of practice today, yeah. four hours of this. Do you know what I mean? Do you yeah. think it's different when it's like it's your passion? You wanna yeah. you wanna be disciplined because you wanna do it?
7: Yeah, I definitely think you have to you have to want to do it and you have to want it. And I do wonder how much people really want things. What what are you willing to, to do? You know, how far are you willing to go? Mhm to get it and I, and I do I do I do wonder because there are people that I I, I, I smell it when people want it mm. you know it you like okay I'll see you in 10 years you know yep. you just know it and I, and then you you know when people will give you any excuse to, to not to not do it as well and it's not that they don't want it they just don't want it that badly at that time or they don't believe that they can have it you know mm. so I definitely think like the, the discipline side of things I think just comes from I think comes from sports to be honest I think playing football I played football um, for years and up until I was sixteen, and I think that's what that discipline you you it's so when you look at like sports and and working out, it's so easy to see the results of of work, isn't it? How much mm-hmm. work you put in, and then the result of what that what that gives you. Mm-hmm. The more you practice, the more the better you'll be. The more you, the longer you run, the more fit you'll be. It's very easy to see like the direct correlation. Um, but I think in sort of the more creative things, we we need the con that the, the hard work is the consistency. And if you do something, the same thing, or you keep on being consistent for a year, you will see the results. Mm -hmm. And I think the discipline has to, you have to have the belief to discipline yourself.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Listening back to some of those interviews definitely got me thinking and... As someone who is, you know, dedicated to lifelong learning, I think it's incredibly important that we seek out mentorship and coaches and just ask people for help. Also, you know, recognising that your skills and your knowledge, your area of expertise is super valuable as well. So who can you help, you know, turning back, reaching out a hand and saying who's coming up behind that you can help support them. So as always, if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to rate and review the show. Thanks so much for listening. See ya.